Good evening. Welcome to New Hope Church. My name is Chad. Merry Christmas, everybody. Ushers, could you please prepare for the tithes and offering? Um, this past weekend, I was uh, with our young adult leaders, and we we're having dinner. And, you know, we were reminiscing about the past years we served together. And one of them brought up that they remembered that we used to grab all the couches and chairs that are back here. We'd bring it to the fellowship hall. And we'd set it up. And then, you know, that's how we would, they would hear the message. And then we'd talk stories and hang out with one another. And in another season, we moved to the other side of the fellowship hall. We'd set up pipe and drape and have these walls and set up our chairs. And, you know, and he said, oh, it was a lot of work. And, but... He said it was a lot of fun, you know, and as we g gathered together, we just enjoyed doing what we got to do, learning and growing together to reach um, the young adults that are out there that are looking for hope, that are looking for the Lord. And, you know, and I thought about our church and over this past year, you know, we've done so many events and activities. We've had our Puna Relief. We've had our Salt Conference, our Marriage Conference. We had our Salt Projects. We, we had... Um, we also had Nick Vojacic, and uh, last week we had our Christmas program. And I thought we do so many things, and everything that we do, we do it because we, are, we have the heart of Jesus, and we're, we want to shine his light, and we want to reach those that are far from him. And as we do this, we're learning, we're growing together, we're serving, and it's part of being the church, and it's part of showing the love and the, the change that Jesus has done in us. You know, when we give of our tithes and offerings, you know, we're just continuing to serve the Lord and what He has done in changing our hearts and being a part of His kingdom and reaching those that are far from Him, that are looking for hope. If you're visiting us for the first time, we just want to let you know to receive this night and don't feel obligated to give. If you're visiting from another church, uh, please continue to give your tithes and offerings to your church. And if this is your home church, we're going to prepare our hearts and pray. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this wonderful year, Lord. We thank you for this church, the many events and activities that we've got to do with one another and just to shine your light and to just show the love that you have given to us in our hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that as we give of our tithes and offerings, that that continues to pour out into your kingdom and that continues to be used to reach those that are far from you. Lord, we just thank you for what we get to do. We thank you for your eternal love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Chad. Thank you for all that you do. You know, we're in this season that we call Christmas, and uh, we, we set out this time so that we can learn from God together. And tonight, as we learn from him, we're going to be talking about naming baby Jesus. So if you want to take out your church app, you can do so because the notes are in there. Or if you're going to write down some notes, that's what we're going to entitle tonight, Naming Baby Jesus. Because the, what you name your baby says something, right? When, when you're going to name a baby, you're thinking of all these different names. And uh, one of my friends, uh, they're going to name their baby Noah. And I said, what, what, if, you, what if you name, like, give them the middle name Sark, <laughs> that's the same look she gave me, and that's how long it took. She's like, why would I name him Sark? That's the middle name. And so, I, yeah, after a while, you see how genius I am? Tell me that's not genius. Come on. Some of you are still thinking. I'm going to let you go. Let you suffer in that one. You think about it all night long. 
2 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to get a text message. Oh, now I get it. But tonight, as we talk about naming baby Jesus, it wasn't just the fact that we're going to give, or they were going to give him the name Jesus or Savior, but there was great significance to naming Jesus. There's so much more than just the name of Jesus Christ. It's, there's so much more than what they were trying to accomplish in naming Jesus. Now, we're in a society that names children all kinds of names. I just popped up some that is kind of uh, interesting. So here are some gir girl names that people name their babies. Now, if this is your name, I'm not making fun. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this is pretty interesting. So this, girl, this girl's name is I'm Unique with an apostrophe, like I, apostrophe M, U-N-I-Q-U-E. I'm Unique. Another baby that or they named their child is Baby Girl. So you know how you're in Hawaii, you go, yeah, Baby Girl. That's, their, that's the actual name, Baby Girl. The third one, this one is, I, I don't know, I, now this one isn't, okay. The, the baby's name is Brittany Shakira Beyonce. <laughs> Brittany Shakira Beyonce. I think they're like, I don't know, it should be Brittany or Shakira Beyonce. Let's name them all. They're, they're all good. Uh, this one is very interesting. Elizabeth. I don't even want to know how they came up with that name. I can see how maybe. Here's the, here's the last one. Girl name. Olive Garden. <laughs> so here's how they came up with this name. The dad liked the name Garden. He was going to call the daughter Garden. But the mom wanted the name Olive. <laughs> so Olive Garden. My goodness. They're going to get good service when they go to the restaurant. Here's some boy names. Now, these boys' names, I don't know. Okay, so the first boy name that is pretty interesting is the name Danger. Like, you're just setting yourself up for the teenage years or the two-year-old or forever. Your son's name is Danger. Danger, get home. Danger, get over here. Hey, watch out for Danger. This one is worse. Lucifer. Lucifer. Now, some of you, if you don't know who Lucifer is, that's Satan. Lucifer. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, God can redeem that name, and he may become a pastor, and then something happens, and then redeemed, right? Now, this one must be, I don't know how old this person is, but they, they named their son Hashtag. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hashtag. You didn't even have to scold them or look at them. You just. <laughs> That's all you got to do. You didn't even have to yell. This one, I don't know why. Maybe they're just trying to be like, like uh, prophetic. So they named their child Billion. Billion. I mean, God forbid that he ends up poor. I pray. <laughs> I pray that at least he gets some, some wealth in there. But, but people name their children for specific reasons. In fact, different cultures name their children so that they become that, like mana. You name your child mana. You want them to be strong. Or you name, like we even named one of our dogs uh, Akamai. Dumbest dog. I'm serious. I'm sorry, Heidi, but wasn't Akamai not the smartest? He wasn't, he wasn't a dumb dog. He just wasn't Akamai. He was, we should have named him Loving. 
but then a guy, dog named Loving. So we, we, we try our best to name people or name animals or name our children for what we believe them to be, or maybe as parents, we're just trying to be creative because we have over 7 billion people on this planet, and every parent is trying to name their child for a specific reason. And some parents, they don't want to name their child a name that someone else has. Hence, Lucifer and danger. Like, we come up with all of these creative names. There are names that are spelled X-T-Q-P-M, Zuktim. Those are, those are real names because parents want to be unique. So when it, when it came to naming Jesus, it wasn't up to Mary and Joseph to name their baby. In fact, it didn't start when Jesus was born. It started way back before Jesus was born. There was a prophetic word that was given in the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. And King David, who is the king of Israel, has this prophetic word given to him, that when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Now, this is a twofold prophecy. It's also Solomon, his son, because Solomon built the temple uh, after uh, King David. Solomon built the temple, and David didn't. David just got all the resources together. But he's also talking about Jesus Christ, who is soon to come, that he will be a king forever. He will be on the throne forever. And his, his kingdom will last forever. So you have, this, you have this prophetic word that was given long before Jesus was born. So his name is very significant because it, it has to be where he, he is established so well that his kingdom will last forever. Because naming a baby is very time-consuming, important, and purposeful. And Jesus was to be the one on whom the government would rest upon his shoulders or the government would be on his shoulder, which is a heavy burden to carry. Just think about that. The, the government will rest on his shoulder. This is why he needs to be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, because the government will rest on his shoulders. It's like everything that, is, is, that needs to be working, everything that needs to uh, uh, take care of people, everything is resting on his shoulders because we know how government can be. Government can be well done and well uh, established, or government can be politically corrupt. We can see both sides. And what Jesus brings is, he, he brings the balance of an unstable government and a government that wants to be ruled just because a man or a woman has the power to do so. So what Jesus does, he says, listen, your government, governments, is going to be unstable. But I am not. I'm going to be the one on whom the government is rested upon. You see, in our world today, we will look at different things that are happening in the political scope and the political realm, and we can have good hopes and bad hopes, or we can have, uh, you know, good thoughts and not so good thoughts. We can have a hopeful future or kind of like a dark future. But Jesus says, why are you resting on people? Why are you trusting in man? The government will be on my shoulders. Therefore, trust in me because I'm the one who is going to be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. So in Luke 
chapter 1, before Jesus is born, a man by the name of Zechariah is in the picture. Zechariah was a priest, so he would be, he would be doing the priestly duties at the, at the temple, and as he's, as he's at the temple, he gets a, a vision from the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord speaks to him, and he says, he says, Zechariah, I know you and your wife, I know your heart, your heart's desire is that you would want to have a son, but because in your old age you're not able to have children. However, I'm going to grant you that you will be able to have a son, you and your wife, Elizabeth, and you are to name him John. And you are to make sure that he doesn't drink any wine, that he's, that he's the one that's going to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. So you are to name him John. And then Zachariah says, wait, I'm old. My wife is, he didn't say old. He just said, she's like of age. How are we supposed to have children? And the angel says, this is what's going to happen. And the word that I've spoken is going to come to pass. But, Zechariah, because you did not believe that this would come to pass, you will not be able to speak until all of this comes to pass. That's how important it was for Zechariah to understand not only will he have a son, but you are to give him this name, John. Names are very important that even heaven specifically said you need to name your child, John. And they end up naming him John. In fact, Elizabeth was spoken to also by the angel and said, you are to name him John. Elizabeth says, John, why John? There's, there's, is, this, is this supposed to be it? And the angel said, yes. Now, Zechariah couldn't tell Elizabeth what to name him because he can't speak. So by the time she's going to name him John, the people are saying, what are you naming him? She says, I'm going to name him John. And they say, no one in your family has that name. So even they understood when you name a child, there is a specific reason why you're going to pick that specific name. So they're thinking, why John? But they're just listening to what God had spoken to the both of them. So by the time now John is uh, named, Zechariah can now speak, and he is filled with joy. He even writes a song in Luke chapter 1. Verse 16, he writes a song. Why? Because he's so filled with joy. And imagine not being able to speak for nine months, and then all of a sudden you can speak. That's what was happening with John. And John, uh, that's what was happening with Zechariah. Now Zechariah could speak, and now John is in the picture. John is the cousin of Jesus Christ. And the reason why we bring up John is because John prepared the way for the coming of the Messiah. And he plays a big part because even that, prophecy of John was to prepare the way for Jesus, which he did. Now, Jesus, we know his name as Jesus, but before he was named, they just knew him as the Messiah, the coming one, the one who is going to bring salvation. We, we're looking back at time, and we can see, okay, what took place and how they named him and, and whatever else needed to, to happen in order for Jesus to be born. And now we celebrate his birth during this season. But at that time, no one really knew what was really going on. They knew some of the prophecies, but they're trying to figure out the times, and, and some of them believed, some of them didn't believe. So everything that is being said, even with Zechariah and John and Elizabeth, all of that means something because it's going to come to the point where Jesus is born. That prophetic word that was given to King David 
all the way down to his lineage that there will be a ruler one day that his kingdom will be established forever is speaking of Jesus Christ. It's not just a kingdom that will last here on this earth because I think for some of us we think that Jesus is just going to temporarily be our savior and he's going to do temporary things for us here on this earth, that he's seasonal. Almost like, okay, I, I believe in Jesus, but he only helps me when this situation is here or when this is happening. But he is always available and he always helps us. That's why he's called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's, he has these names for a specific reason. And tonight, if we're thinking about, well, where, where am I at in the season of my life? Where am I at with my faith with Jesus? And what does his name have to do with my faith? And how does his name and understanding his name, how does that affect my faith? Well, it's important because everything that God said was going to happen came to pass. That should already build our faith, knowing that we can look back and see everything that God said was going to happen happened. And many different people or prophecies were given throughout time, and it all lines up to Jesus being born in a specific way, being, being given a specific name. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it tells us, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and, he is, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this, this, this child that the Bible is talking about. The child is referring to his birth. And when it says, and the son is going to be given, the son is referring to his adoption. Because with Mary and Joseph, remember Joseph wasn't the biological father, so when Jesus was born, he had to adopt him. So you have both a son who has been a child who, is, who has been born. There's now biological, a biological connection to, of course, Mary. But then you also have his adoption in what Joseph did. See, the, the virgin birth was the only way to fulfill Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That was the only way you can have both in one. So the problem that we can find, and if you look at the scriptures, you find in Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus. And you'll find in Luke chapter 3, the genealogy of Jesus. And if you match them up, they both don't match. And there's a reason for that. In the book of Matthew, Matthew, the author, is writing a genealogy of Jesus from the legal standpoint of Joseph's lineage. So he's, he's writing down the lineage of Joseph. But the problem with that is in Joseph's lineage, there's a man by the name of Jeconiah who was given a curse and was said that your descendants will never take the throne. So if that's the case, then it's almost like Joseph's descendants are disqualified from the throne that was prophesied to David that one day your descendants will take the throne because Joseph was a descendant of David. Now, if we know David's son, Solomon. Solomon was born out of an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. I know I'm giving you some history, but this is very important. In fact, maybe I should draw it out so that we don't get lost. So this is Matthew, and this is the book of Luke. So they both have different lineage 
they're, they're giving their both different lineage to, of course, Joseph. And Matthew goes from Joseph's perspective. And then Luke is going to give it from Mary's. So the prophetic word that was given to David was saying that your descendants, your descendant, the one whom I cho choose, is going to establish my kingdom forever. And he's speaking of Jesus Christ. But if Matthew is giving Joseph's descendants or the ancestors of Joseph and in his ancestry there's a man that is cursed and he's not supposed to have a, a king on his throne, then how can Joseph have a son who is going to be established as king? Well, because Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus. But Mary is the biological mother. So when you look at the two different uh, uh, genealogies, that's why you're going to see a difference. And when you read in the book of Luke that, you know, uh, Joseph, the son of, the son of, the son of, the reason why it says the son of is because Joseph being the son-in-law, they still referred to the son-in-law as the son of, but that's Mary's lineage. So when you go upline to Mary, you're going to go all the way back biologically to the, the son of David also, but this son is the son Nathan. So Nathan had the two boys. One was Solomon, who was born out of an adulterous affair. So God says, no, that's not where my kingdom is going to be established because that wasn't the way to do it. But through the son Nathan, and Nathan, who was born of uh, King David, Nathan was named after Nathan the prophet who came to David and confronted him with, of his sin with Bathsheba. So David named Nathan after the prophet Nathan. So that's Mary's lineage. Joseph was Solomon. Mary was Nathan. So that's very important to understand too because we have to understand that when the Bible tells us that a son is given and a son is to be born or child is to be born, God saw from long ago how important it was for us to understand how crystal clear God was speaking in naming Jesus, the name he was going to give him. Because what we're going to find out is the name that Jesus was given was actually a common name. It wasn't, it wasn't like a name that we just looked up that, you know, all of these unique names. It was a common name. So if we think about these two genealogies, Matthew is actually speaking to the Jews. So he has to, he has to come from the perspective of, of the legal rights because once Joseph adopts Jesus, now Jesus has legal rights to Joseph's line, which connects to King David. But if he's connected to Jeconiah, then how can Jesus establish his throne because Jeconiah was cursed? Well, he could do that because he wasn't his biological father. Are you following me on that? Sorry, there's a little bit of teaching, but this is very, very critical for us to understand everything that we're going to be talking about. In the book of Luke, Luke uses the word in the genealogy of Mary the word supposedly, because he's saying supposedly Joseph was the father. In other words, he's saying supposedly Joseph was the father, saying that this genealogy is not Joseph's genealogy, it's Mary's genealogy. And Mary and Joseph both are traced back to King David. So that prophecy that was given hundreds of years before still points to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is not the biological descendant of Jeconiah. He is through Mary. So now Jesus is able 
to take on that prophecy that was given in the book of Samuel. And when Jesus takes on that prophetic word that the kingdom of God will be established forever, you and I benefit from that. In the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 21, Matthew writes this, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, the New Testament is written in Greek, and the Greek word for Jesus is Iosus, because in the Greek, they didn't have a J. Even in the Hawaiian language, there's no J. So when they're naming him, when, the, when Matthew says Iosus, that name is Jehovah is salvation. That's the Greek name for Jesus. The Hebrew name or the Old Testament is Yehoshua. Shue. Yehoshua, which is the name Joshua. Because in the Hebrew, they didn't have a J, so they had a Y. So it was Yehoshua, which means Joshua. And Joshua means Jehovah is salvation. That's why I said the name was common, that the name of Jesus was Joshua or Yehoshua. Because of the, the commonality of the name, it's just Jehovah is salvation. Joshua, the book of Joshua, that was his name too. Because they thought Joshua was going to be the one who saved Israel, the one who was following after Moses' footsteps. So you have this word Yehoshua, which is taken from two Hebrew words, Yehovah, which means Jehovah, the existing one, and then the, which is the proper name of the one true God, and then Yashe, to save, to be saved, or to be delivered. So we know his name as Yeshua, Jesus' Hebrew name, which is the English, or if you want to do it in English, the spelling is Joshua. So you might be thinking, then why do we call him Jesus? Why don't we just call him Yeshua, Yehoshua, or just Jesus? What are, I mean, why, why are we calling him Jesus? So if we go from the Greek, Eosus, which is the Greek transliteration of the Hebrew name, and then come to the English spelling, that's where we get Jesus. It's, being from, it's coming from Greek to English. So that's all it is. It's just a transliteration of the Greek word to Jesus. Because in the Greek, they didn't have a J, but in the English language, we do, so we call him Jesus. Therefore, the names Joshua and Jesus and Yeshua all mean the same person. So both of the pronunciations of Joshua and Jesus, which are the same, and the Greek word or the Greek name for Jesus, all mean the same thing, which is the Lord that saves or the Lord is salvation. Just think about it. Changing language or changing the, the, the way a spelling of a word is is not necessarily, uh, it changes the, the person or the individual or the object. There are names like, we, we call a, a bound and covered set of pages a book. But if you think of this word book, in German it's a book. B-U-C-H. In Spanish it's a libro. In French it's a livre. The language changes, but not the object itself. So even though there are different names, it's still a book. It was Shakespeare who said, that which we call a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. So even though there are different names of Jesus, it doesn't change the fact of who he is. 
when we call Jesus, Jesus, or Yeshua, or even Yeso, which is Cantonese, all of these different languages, doesn't change his nature. It doesn't change who he is. In any language, his name means the Lord is salvation. So no matter what name is given to him in the sense of how it needs to be transliterated or translated to, or different spelling, it is the Lord is salvation. And even though spellings change, it doesn't change the meaning of it. We use the word Savior, S-A-V-I-O-R. But the British say Savior, S-A-V-I-O-U-R. So even there, there's a U, and we exclude the U, doesn't change the fact that Jesus is the Savior. The spelling doesn't matter in that case. It's the same person. You know, in the book of Acts, when the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came and all the disciples were there and the believers were in that, that one place and the Holy Spirit came, this is what took place and this is what was written. And, and Luke is writing this. He says, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Jude, uh, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt and, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. In other words, they're saying, how can we understand that we're all speaking different languages, but we all understand that we're meaning the same thing. Why? Because it's the nature of God. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So in naming Jesus, although important, it's also important to know why he was named Jesus or Yeshua or Joshua. Because it all means the Lord is salvation. It all points to that commonality of him being the Lord of salvation. You know, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in that particular time, Jesus was made known to every language group in a way that they could readily understand. Spelling didn't matter. They just knew that God was speaking. So no matter what language we call the name of Jesus Christ, even in Hawaiian, Iesu Christo, Jesus Christ, here's what we know. And I'm, I'm going to give us just the five names that Isaiah talks about. The first one is Wonderful. That his name is going to be wonderful. Because if we think about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as one of our dear servants who serves here, Dominic Uyatake says, Jesus Christ is wonderful. He is. And it may not seem like it because sometimes we're in dark seasons or we go through difficulties or, 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 or differences with people and even Christians or have, have broken relationships and sometimes we don't... We don't feel like Jesus is wonderful. But that word wonderful means to marvel, to just be in wonder, which means extraordinary. Or it also means hard to understand something. It's hard to understand. Or it's also a wonder of God's acts of judgment and redemption. Like, have you ever wondered, like, how can that person get away with that? And they're still going to heaven? Like, we wonder. How, how is that even possible? Or that person is doing illegal things and look at they're prospering with wealth and I'm struggling? I wonder, how is that even fair? Like we wonder these things, but what the Bible is saying is don't wonder about those things. 
Go to Jesus because he's wonderful. You don't have to figure everything out with Jesus. We may not understand everything about him, but he's just wonderful. The second name is that he's the counselor. So when you cannot understand everything, get counsel from Jesus. And a counselor is someone who gives advice. They advise you. They con- or you can consult with them. They give you counsel or they give you purpose. They, they, they have this, this plan. That's who Jesus is. That's why he is the counselor. The third name is Mighty God. That people, people even, when they understand that Jesus is the mighty God, some people have a hard time with it, and some people embrace it. And those of us who embrace that Jesus is mighty God, it also puts us in a position where Jesus stands before or between us and judgment. And because he's mighty God, he took the sin for us. We don't stand before him judged and condemned. We stand before him forgiven and reconciled. Why? Because he is the Lord of salvation. He is the mighty God, which means that word mighty is a strong man, a brave man, a mighty man. And of course, God, the word that they're using, means the one true God. So that's how strong God is. The fourth name that is given in the book of Isaiah is everlasting father. Everlasting, perpetuity, forever, continuing future. Father, which is God as father of his people. That we're all children of God. And if you ever wondered where you are in the so-called totem pole with God or, or if, if you're doing well or not, God has children So it's not like one is better than the other. He died for all. That's why in the book of Luke, the angel said, no, the the son will be for all people. A child is born to all people. The Savior is for all people. He will bring great joy that will cause, cause great joy for all people. It's for all people. It's not the ones that behave well or the ones that can put on a good show or a facade. It's for all people. Even the evil people, he came for even the evil people. Because think about it. Every single one of us has a little bit of evil always lurking on the inside. Just waiting to come out. And it comes out. Why? Because we're human beings. And our soul has been tarnished because of sin. That's why Jesus is the Lord of salvation. And then the last name that he gives is the Prince of Peace. Just think of that word peace. I mean, for some of us, we're just thinking, I just need peace and quiet. That's why I come church. Just get away from my house. It's just chaos sometimes. Or I love going to work because I'm away from the chaos. Or some of you saying, I love going home. Or I love just hanging out at the beach. I just want peace and quiet. It's, it's crazy at work. It's crazy where I work at. Or the people there are crazy. And we just want peace and quiet. But Jesus said, I am the prince of peace. And this is one of his names. The prince, which is a ruler, a leader the chief, or an official, or a captain, or an overseer. In other words, he's the overseer of peace, and that word peace means completeness, soundness, safety, even the word friendship, that he is the overseer of friendship. He's the the one that brings friendship. He's the prince of friendship. So when you have a relationship with Jesus, you're, you're good friends with him. I know it almost sounds like you're lessening Jesus but no, he's actually, he's actually building a relationship with us. That's why he calls us friends, because he wants that relationship. 
You know, when you think about this season of Christmas and everything that we have to do, even what we go through, even the, the, the tragedies that take place in our lives and our community, the hits that people take when, when they're trying to live a, a good life or, or live as a believer and, and people will persecute you or say things about you, even all of that that we go through, it doesn't go unseen with Jesus. He sees it all. And he encourages us and he says, you, you keep going because what you're doing is you're, not only are you building your faith in me, but you're allowing people to see how I work in your life. And you're able to represent me in a world that is dying and is going, to, uh, going from bad to worse. And what you're doing is you're going to give them hope. And so you keep going because I'm going to be the one that gives you the peace that you need, no matter how difficult it is. And I think every single one of us, when we understand that the name of Jesus is more than just a name, or that when Mary and Joseph had to name Jesus, it was more than just saying, this is a cool name. There was so much prophecy that was headed in their direction, so much that needed to take place, that one slip of the name or even an event, then nothing could be given to us. But everything lined up perfectly as God said it would. And when Jesus came to this earth and when he was born and everything took place just as the prophecies had said, that means every other thing is also given to us. That he is a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. That is given to you and I. For unto us a son is born, unto us a son is given. And everything he is, he gives to us. In the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, tells us that he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. No matter what season you and I find ourselves in, no matter what day it is, month or year, Jesus covers it all. He is the name above all names. That's why naming him was so incredibly important. Just think of these five names that are given in the book of Isaiah. These five names. Take this and even use it as a prayer. Use it as a prayer. Because these five names will help us understand that no matter what season we're in, he covers every season that we'll ever go through. I want to ask you to close your Bibles, put away your notes for a moment, and we're going to pray. And we're going to take some time to pray in this season. But these, just these five names, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to ask you a question tonight. Which one of these names of Jesus speaks mostly to you tonight? Which one of these names of Jesus that you would say, boy, this is, this is what I would, this is what I'm praying for right now, Lord. That yes, you're the Lord of salvation, which means I'm saved, to be saved. But where, where, where would it be? Do I need Jesus as, as to be wonderful for me right now? Do I need him to be my counselor? Lord, do I need you to be my mighty God? I just need your strength right now. I just need to know that you're my everlasting father. I feel alone. I feel depressed. I feel like life is not going anywhere. I just need you as my father. Oh, I just need you as the prince of peace. I... There's so many things going through my mind. I just need you as the Prince of Peace. 
And if you just want to praise him as being wonderful, that's fine too. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads for a moment and just take some time that you would seek him. That Lord, you are wonderful. You are the counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. So Lord, we all come before you and for some of us, we, we just need to know how wonderful you are, how great you are. We marvel at the things you do and, and who you are and, and how, you, how you always come through, that you're so faithful. We may not understand everything about you, but we know that you are wonderful. So Lord, we're, we're praying to you tonight as our, as our wonderful God. For some of us, Lord, we need, we just need wisdom. You're the counselor. You advise us. You have a purpose for us. You have a plan for us, an infinite plan. And we just need direction. We need counseling. And counseling almost sounds like a, like a clinical word, that something's wrong with us, but it's not. It's we're your children. We just need direction. And so can you be our counselor tonight? Speak to our hearts. Give us direction. For some of us, we may need correction, Lord. So as our counselor, can you bring that correction and show us maybe there's some things in us that we need to change. Maybe we have to, we have to be better with our anger and, and managing our anger better not be so short-tempered, but to give you all that is burdening us. Maybe there's a, a hardened heart, Lord, or, or bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment. Can you just counsel us and give the wisdom that we need? For some of us, Lord, we just need you to be our mighty God. We have no more strength we have nothing else to give. Everything is drained from us. We have, we have no energy. We feel like we have no hope. Everything seems dark. Everything is caving in. We're, it's like we're done. We're at the end of everything. We tried everything. And we, we just need you to be our mighty God, strong, and the one true God. And we surrender everything to you. Can you be our mighty God? because we know you have the strength. We don't. We surrender to you. Be our God who is mighty. For many of us, Lord, we, we may feel alone. We may feel depressed. We may feel abandoned. But you are the everlasting Father. And so tonight we, we pray to you as our Father that you are the Father to us, that we are no longer abandoned, we're never left behind, we're never alone, we're never, we're never in a place or a position of no one caring for us, but you love us with an everlasting love that goes on forever. You are our, our everlasting Father. You are there for us for all of eternity. You created a place for us to be with you forever because that's the kind of Father you are. Yes, we want to be with you as our Father forever, but you initiated that first. You wanted to spend eternity, eternity with us. 
as far as we drift from you. You drift with us so that all it is is turning around and taking one step into your arms. That's why you're everlasting. You don't go away. You don't phase out. You don't diminish. You don't grow weaker. There's no shadow in you. In heaven, there is no sun. Because your glory lights up all of heaven. We pray for your peace. Jesus, thank you for being the prince of peace. Thank you for your safety, your leadership, that we're complete in you. Thank you for your your friendship. Thank you for being the captain, the overseer of our soul, the one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could possibly even ask or even dream. You own peace because you are peace. Therefore, you can give us peace. There are days where, yeah, we, it's so difficult. There's a, there are many decisions that we need to make, many diff- difficult decisions. We have anxious thoughts. We go through anxiety attacks. We have stress, pain, and sometimes we don't know what to do, but we ask for your peace and your comfort. Can you calm our soul? You're the only one who can do it in such a way that it it causes us to be peacemakers. Peace is not a feeling. It's a person, and it's you. So we ask you to be with us and us with you as our wonderful counselor, mighty God, our everlasting Father. We thank you for being our Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen. Amen. Isn't he refreshing? Isn't he so good? Yeah. That's the Savior. That's our Jesus. He is the Lord of salvation. Thank you, Matthew. You know, this next week, this coming Sunday, we have our Christmas service. And one thing that we're really, really uh, gearing up for is that not only will we be there, but imagine the people that don't know Jesus Christ. Imagine the people that go through what you and I go through, but they are not able to do this. They're not able to slow down and come to Jesus in this kind of way and pray to him because they don't know him yet. Our heart is always to reach out to people who are far from God, one relationship at a time. Jesus calls you his friend, and he wants other people to be his friends too even though right now they may be far from him. So I want you to pray and really ask God to put people on your heart so that maybe as he puts people on your heart, you would cross paths and maybe invite them to Sunday morning. Our service times are the same, 7, 9, and 11. And it's a great time for us to reach out to people. And it, it almost may seem like, well, but everybody's inviting people to church. Then don't invite them necessarily to church. Just introduce them to Jesus introduce them to the love of God. And maybe they might ask you, hey, you go to church? Yeah, yeah, I go to church. When is service? You just never know how an invitation door is going to open. But if you start with loving people, the Bible says that love never fails. 
And this Sunday, we're going to be talking about, we're, we're concluding our, continuing in our series, Christ, Mass, and Christmas. And we're going to talk about Christ in the mess. In other words, when we go through mess or when there's a messy life or any type of mess in our life, that Jesus is there with us through it. And it's going to be a great time together learning how Jesus goes through it with us and how we come out on the other end victorious. And I hope and pray that as we invite people that God would bring in those people in the hopes that they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's our mission. That's our heart. That's our vision of our church. And I pray that we would bring people this Sunday. Okay? Can you say amen to that?